Hello everybody, I did another little tidbit of some information I thought you might want to know. I'm doing pastors and prophets or people reading the Bible talking about prophecy fulfilling itself. These two men are pastors that teach the Hosea prophecy. I want you to hear them. Word for word, one does videos on AOC Network. And the other one's a local pastor in Indiana um, that did a timeline of things. Um, it's interesting. Hosea is a very well-known book. And I'm talking about how it works. Um, and there's a lot of information in it. I went from reading prophecy or speaking prophecy and keep it private in my collection. People that come over, I'll let them see it. I don't say, God said. I say, this is what the Father shows me. My prophetic gift lets me see 3D in nature, which is quite profound. Um, I've seen a lot of things that I've not wrote down yet. people and I'm gonna get ready and start writing these information down that I remember seeing and I remember seeing them it's interesting uh, that's how I relate prophecy um, uh, there's a lot of things rolling right now so I'm going to say, I'm Mickey Aristar. Welcome to the Blaze, the Razor, the Revolution One, part of the Syndicate of the Diamond Light and Pearl Ministries. I serve other pastors as well as teach. Um, that's my goal. Um, I don't get no proceeds from any of it. I don't ask for people to donate. I'd rather tithe myself than donate. Blessings come in many forms. People can be a blessing. People can give a blessing. People can give the blessing of love. Not that many uh, know about it. Um, in these times we're in. Today I'm kind of shut in. Um, um it's raining outside, warm, muggy. Uh, I'm getting ready to put something on for you guys, and I love you guys, and I'll see you later. Bye. Pray for Israel. Pray for the people of America and around the world that are saved, and pray for Putin so he does the right thing. And Netanyahu. Um, those I will pray for. I love you guys, and I'll see you later. Bye. Jesus said that before he returns, the entire world will know about him. And now, they nearly have. The Bible also says that in the last days, people would make fun of those who believe in him. And well, we see that every day. The clock is ticking. 
because the world knows about Jesus and have for the most part rejected him. But when the Antichrist arrives, as the Bible foretells, the world will accept him. Things are heating up, and I'm sure many of you can feel that. Many of you can feel that we are living in times where um, <laughs> it's almost like a domino effect. You know, many of the things that we've seen the Bible say would happen, have happened, are happening. And uh, there are many things that really just point to us being the generation that will see the return Christ and you know the world says things like well you know Jesus you know they've been saying Jesus would come back for thousands of years he still hadn't come back yet it's been almost 2,000 years almost 2,000 years he still hadn't come back yet why well there's a reason why there's a reason why it's been almost 2,000 years and we're going to explore that in the next season of videos um, but we do have a video it's called the Hosea Prophecy Video that really points to why has it been almost 2,000 years since he's returned? And why is it that we are likely in the final, I'm not going to say the last days, in the last minutes until his great coming? Check that video out. Um, but this is a very crucial time we're in. Because things are heating up and the Spirit of God is saying to his people to stay lit, stay on fire, keep your lamps full, do not be exposed and found without the, the anointing of my Holy Spirit. The scripture clearly shows that when Jesus returns, you want to be like those who were ready to meet him on fire for him, filled with that oil, living for him. You don't want to be like those who were out in the streets, squandering everything God had given to them. And then when he showed up, they were unprepared. What did he say to them? It wasn't a good message. Stay lit, stay on fire for God. And how do you do that? How do you stay on fire for God? You gotta stay in prayer. Do not let that prayer life slide. As hard as it may be, spend time in the word and watch content that actually builds your spiritual growth. Watch content. Consume content. Remember, whatever you are, con are constantly hearing, whatever you constantly see, you will become. If the only thing you're watching is gossiping content, if the only thing you're watching is uh, TMZ or even Christian TMZ, you know what that is, don't you? Content that the only thing that they put out is what the world is doing. What's the latest thing Kanye said? What is the latest thing Creflo said? What is the latest thing some other person said? This is basic gossip. If 
If you are watching content that is all gossip, you will become a gossiper. If you're watching content that is pornographic, you will become a sexual perverted person. If you are watching content that all it is is crime field, you're going to have that type of mentality, that type of vibe. If you are watching kingdom content, content that actually digs into the Bible and gives you biblical steps on how to live a holy and righteous life before God, then what will you become? A person who lives holy and righteous before God because you're feeding your mind, your subconscious mind, content of the kingdom and not the world. And I've said this before, just because something is labeled Christian content doesn't mean it's actually going to build you up in Christian character. Because Christian content that is 95% gossip and 5% gospel isn't going to cut it. Not in these last days. Maybe a few years ago. Maybe you can watch this a few years ago. Now it's time to watch things that are going to prepare you for the return of Jesus. It's time to watch things that convict you. That don't, that, that, that don't make you point fingers at others. That make you point fingers at yourself. And make you say, you know what? There are things i got to get right in my life. My prayer life has been slacking. I haven't been into the word the way it I need to be. It's been a long time since I have fasted. It's been a long time since I have shown love to someone who doesn't think the same way that I do. It's been a long time since I have found joy in just digging into the word. I like what John Piper says. God is most glorified in us. When we are most satisfied in him. What does that mean? That means if you were on a deserted island. And all you had to take was a Bible. You'd be okay. Because you have the word. And you got God. You'd be okay. Are we at that point? Where we are perfectly satisfied in God. Are we there? Or do we still need the world to complete us? People to complete us. I'm going to be transparent. God has been getting me to a place where I can just be completely satisfied in him. Where as long as I got God, I'm okay. When you get to that point, that prepares you to when you see Christ, when he returns, you won't have regrets. You haven't been chasing the world. You won't have fear. You don't have to worry about him scolding you because you have made him your life. And when your life appears, you will be more complete than a person going down the aisle on their wedding day, seeing their significant other because they know they're going to spend forever with that person. But you're actually going to spend forever with Christ. Make him your life. Get more into him than the world. Because now is the time things are speeding up. And I've been saying that. People have been saying that. But now it's time to show it. And so we are working on a series of videos, that you, as you have just seen, um, the unmasking of the Antichrist documentary. I've been talking about that for a long time. And I see why um, things have happened to kind of delay it a bit. Because um, just recently in the news, um, some things have become apparent uh, uh, to me and to our team and those who we do research with and what has now happened in the news with certain technological companies 
needs to be included in this documentary because I believe it's going to possibly be a huge piece to this whole thing. And so that uh, unmasking reveal documentary, if it's not out next week or the week after, it's coming this month. Okay, it's coming this month. And um, it's going to really include a lot of what's happened even the past few days. And so therefore, um, it needed to be delayed because that had that had to be in there. And so and after that, of course, we're going to have a whole season of videos that are focused on how close are we? Does the Bible show or give parallels, typologies, foreshadowings of the season, the generation that will be present when Christ returns? Yes, we all know about Matthew. We all know about wars and rumors of wars. Yes, we've always had those. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something else. Um, so I can't wait to get to those videos. But yes, things are heating up. Uh, the Holy Spirit is leading us all, trying to lead us all to seek him more than the world, to be more into the gospel and not gossip, worrying about what the celebrity world is doing, worrying about what other preachers are doing. We're about what you are doing. Jesus said it, said it himself. Get the plank out of your own eye before you try to pick it out someone else's. If you're going to watch something, watch something that convicts you on things you, you can do to get closer to God. I've had to do that myself. I've fallen um, to the point of uh, sometimes being consumed with content that's Christian or claims to be. And I leave saying, basically feeling self-righteous, feeling like, wow, OK, I got everything together. And then when you pray and then that affects your prayer life, because when you pray, instead of you praying about the things that you need to fix in your own life, you're praying prayers like, well, God, I thank you that you didn't make me like that minister. <laughs> you know, I, I'm thankful you didn't make me like that Christian. Look at all the stuff they do. I'm, I'm so glad I'm not like them. And what did Jesus say about that? He gave a, 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 an illustration on the type of prayer that God honors, right? One person went to God, a, I believe it was a Pharisee, and his prayer was, God, thank you for not making me like that tax collector over there. You know, I tithe, God. I give all I got. You know, I, I, I fast, I pray. Thank you, God, for making me basically so good. And God didn't honor that person's prayer. You know the prayer that God did honor? The tax collector's prayer. The man who could barely even look up to heaven. But he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I don't have any words for you. I can't tell you how good I've been. All I can say, God, have grace and mercy on me. That was the prayer God honored. Because it was real. It was raw. And the true, raw, honest truth is that we got problems. All of us got things that need to be improved and fixed upon. And God wants real. He wants raw. He wants authentic. And we're not going to get to that point if all we are doing is feeding ourselves self-righteousness instead of self-correction. God is calling us to prepare ourselves. And a big part of that is humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, I got issues. I need your grace. I need your mercy. So when you pray, be real with God. Let him know your struggles, your doubts, your <laughs> temptations. He already knows it, but he wants you to bring it to him. And humility. God honors that prayer. And he's saying to all of us, and I know many of you are feeling this conviction, to prepare. Because his return is at hand. And we want to hear well done. Stay tuned. I cannot wait to release what we've been working on with this next documentary. After that is complete, we're going to have these things coming out more frequently. You know, there's been a lot going on um, behind the scenes. 
but God is preparing us to come out fully charged once. I don't really want to release anything until that Antichrist documentary is released because we've been talking about that for a long time. So the channel may get a little bit quiet for the next uh, few weeks or so until that is out. But after that, we're going to have things out more regularly. Why? Because we have to. We don't have a choice. You know, it may not even be the prettiest video, but we're going to put it out. So God bless you. Stay prayed up and prepared. Around 753 BC, Hosea was a prophet that God called to deliver a message to the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites. And in the book of Hosea, we find a prophecy that lets them know that because they rejected God, they would be punished by the nations. But because of God's grace, he would save and one day revive them. Now this prophecy was partially fulfilled in 722 BC when the Assyrians came and took the Israelites into captivity. But what we are about to see is that the prophecy of Hosea was also written to parallel with the future and has fulfillment in recent events. And by the end of this video, it will be evident that the Bible has foretold history. In the book of Hosea, we see a prophetic warning to the Israelites revealing that since they rejected God, his hand of protection would be removed and their enemies would overtake them. But Hosea also offers hope when he says that their nation will be revived and that one day they will even live in God's presence when the Messiah, the king from the lineage of David, comes in the latter days to rule over them. Now one thing I should say, whenever it mentions the Israelites, it's also referring to the Jewish people because later the Israelites became known as Jews. So this prophecy largely concerns the Jewish people. So the book of Hosea mentions how the Israelites or the Jewish people would one day face persecution and destruction because of rejecting God. But in chapter six, Hosea gives them hope. And through a powerful prophecy, he reveals two things. Number one, he lets them know when God would forgive them and revive the Israelite nation. And number two, he lets them know when God will raise them up to live in his presence. And so the amazing thing is Hosea here gives a time frame for when the nation would be revived. And history shows that this prophecy was spot on. 
But before we can get into when their nation was revived, we must first look to see when it was destroyed. So let's look at the prophecy of Zechariah. Zechariah 13 verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. So here we have God speaking through Zechariah, and he says that when this person called the shepherd is killed, that will begin the moment when the sheep will be scattered and they will lose their nation. First of all, throughout the Old Testament, the people of God, the Jews or the Israelites, were always referred to as God's sheep, his beloved people. And God has always wanted to take care of them and keep them safe from their enemies. But here in Zechariah 13, 7, we see that when this person, this shepherd who watches over the sheep is struck or killed, then the sheep, God's people, the Israelites, will be scattered. Now, to find out when they lost their nation and when they were scattered, we must first see who the shepherd is and when he was killed. Well, look at what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So it's clear that Jesus identified himself as the shepherd that the Old Testament said would be killed. And also notice what Jesus said at the Last Supper when it was almost time for him to die. Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And so Jesus, again, he identifies himself as this shepherd. So the prophet Zechariah said that when the shepherd is killed, God's people, the sheep, would be scattered. Scattered from where? From the place they have always wanted to be. Jerusalem. You see, this here is a prophecy that was fulfilled in history. And it is one that no one can deny. Because at the time of Jesus, the Israelites or the Jewish people, they were safe in Jerusalem. They had their temple and they were at peace being in the land of Israel. So no one would have ever predicted that one day they would ever lose that. But the impossible happened after Jesus, the shepherd was killed. No one could have ever imagined it. But history shows that 40 years after Jesus was killed, Jerusalem and their temple was destroyed. And after that, the scattering of God's people, the Jews, began. And this great event was so catastrophic that historians have even given it a name. The Jewish Diaspora. The Jewish Diaspora 
refers to when the Jewish people were removed from their land and were taken captive by the nations. Now the amazing thing is that not only did Zechariah say that God's people would be scattered after the shepherd was killed, but even Jesus prophesied this. Look at what he said in Luke. Okay, so here Jesus was um, with his followers and he was letting them know that one day the temple of Jerusalem would be destroyed. And here he is about to let them know also the fate of the Jewish people after that happens. In chapter 21, verse 24, he says, they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all nations. And then he says this, and Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This is, this is so loaded. Because here Jesus says that after he is killed and Jerusalem falls, the Jewish people will be taken captive by other nations. And he says many of them will be killed. And then he says that Jerusalem will be controlled by the Gentiles, which are non-Jewish people, until the appointed time would come for the Jews to regain their land. Okay. So, was Jesus and the prophet Zechariah right? Did the Jewish people become scattered from their homeland and face persecution? And was Jerusalem taken over by Gentiles after the crucifixion? Let's look and see.
God's word is powerful. The book of Zechariah said that when the shepherd, the man close to God, is killed, the sheep would be scattered. And we see that history has unfolded exactly as Zechariah predicted. Jesus was killed in 30 A.D. And 40 years later, in 70 A.D., Jerusalem was destroyed. And then the people of Israel were taken captive. And after that, they were scattered among every nation in the world. It's not coincidence. This, this is prophecy. Now, in the last video, we looked at how the Old Testament also predicted that Jerusalem would be destroyed 40 years after Christ's death. And that was fulfilled in 70 A.D. So be sure to see that video because it gets deep. So this is this is all amazing. It's all amazing. You know, you could either conclude that it's all coincidence or God's word is powerful. Because it is absolutely mind-blowing that just as it was predicted, after God's people rejected and killed his son, the shepherd, that they were then banished from Jerusalem and then taken captives by every nation, just as the scripture said. And archaeological evidence, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, proves that all of this was written in the Old Testament, all of these prophetic writings, hundreds of years before Jesus even came into the world. And so... What we have just seen here are two major prophecies that have been fulfilled. The first was that the Jewish people would be scattered from their land after Jesus the shepherd was killed. And we saw that that started in 70 A.D. And the second prophecy, well, that gets even deeper because it tells us the exact time when God would revive them and give them back their land. <laughs> All right, let me get a drink of water here. Okay, so let's go back to Hosea chapter six, as it reads. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. And here it is. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his presence. It says, after two days, the Jewish people would be revived. Now remember, with prophecy, Days and numbers are often in prophetic codes. In the last video, we saw a clear example of that with how the 40 days in the book of Jonah represented 40 years in the future. Well, this right here is also prophetic code. And we see the solution for this code in 2 Peter 3 verse 8. As it reads, With the Lord a day, it's like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. And also in Psalm 90, verse four, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. <laughs> now, this is interesting 
because we know that God lives in eternity, which is a dimension without beginning or end. So our 24 hour days are really irrelevant to God's time space. So when it says that a day to God is a thousand years or a millennium, we must understand that Peter here is referring to an Old Testament prophetic code. You see, with prophecy, the time frame of events do have a literal fulfillment in Old Testament history. But to see how something that happened relates to the future fulfillment, you have to use the prophetic code. In the book of Jonah, we saw that the code was one day equals one year. And that showed us clearly how the whole thing predicted exactly when the temple would be destroyed in 70 AD. Well, here, one day equals one millennium or 1,000 years. Okay. <laughs> So understanding that, let's reread the prophecy. After two millenniums, he will revive us. And on the third millennium, he will raise us up that we may live in his presence. You see, the prophet was saying, that the Israelite nation would be revived, not in two literal days, but in two millenniums. Again, a day to God is a thousand years. And so let's see if this prophecy was fulfilled in history. Okay. Well, first of all, most historians agree that Jesus was crucified in 30 A.D. And at the point of his crucifixion, we have seen that that is the point when the shepherd was struck, when their persecution began, when they lost their nation. So in 30 AD, that marked the beginning of their fall. So if you add 1000 or one millennium to 30 AD, that brings you to 1030 AD. So from 30 AD to 1030 AD, here you have one millennium or one prophetic day after they were scattered. But the prophecy said that it would be after two days that they would be revived. So if we count from 1030 AD to 2030 AD, you have the second millennium or the second prophetic day. Okay, now remember, Hosea said that after two days, they will be revived. But on the third day, they will be raised to live in his presence. So when does this third day begin? Well, from 1030 to 230 A.D., that's the second day. So the third day is from 2030 A.D. to 330 A.D. So he says that on the third day, they will be raised to live in his presence, which begins the third day beginning on 2030 A.D. But before that, he says, on the second day, they would be revived. 
So I want to paint the picture. He says on the third day, that's when they would be raised to live in the presence of God. But before that, in the second day, that's when their nation would be revived. So we should be able to look and see that somewhere close to the third day. But in the second day, we should see in history where their nation, Israel, was revived. Okay. <laughs> this is neat. Well, history shows us. That after hundreds of years of being scattered, abused, and banished from Israel, that amazingly, the Jewish people found victory against their enemies, and their nation, the land of Israel, was revived and established in 1948. <sighs> okay, um, yeah. Why is that important? Because 1948 is in the latter part of the second day. But it's right before the dawn of the third day. <laughs> you see, <laughs> prophecy is so precise. It's so precise that even the times and dates line up with history. Meanwhile, on May 14, 1948, the new government headed by David Ben-Gurion is installed in Tel Aviv. Thus, for the first time since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. Thus, history was made as the Jewish state of Israel was born. Conceived in strife and weaned on violence, Israel has flourished to become a constructive voice in world affairs. Her flag became a symbol of hope in a troubled world. The Old Testament prophets predicted that after 30 AD, when the shepherd was killed, that the Jewish people would be scattered and taken captive by the nations. We saw that. That's happened. And then it predicted that after two days, but before the third day, they would be revived. That happened in 1948. Well, guess what else? <laughs> Even the date of 1948 has significance within the Bible. Because if you study Bible chronology, you will find that Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, was born exactly 1948 years after God created So not only does the prophetic code of one day equaling a thousand years show the millennium that Israel would be revived, but even the exact year of its revival finds symbolism in the birth of their father Abraham. It just all adds up. You see, this is why I don't really spend a lot of time trying to prove that there is a God. Because even if I proved that there is a God, the world would then wonder, well, OK, who is this God? Can you now prove the identity of this God? Who is it? So instead, God has called me to simply reveal prophecy because of the world sees prophecy and sees how everything the Bible said would happen has clearly been fulfilled throughout history. Then it will be without question that the God that is, is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob.
Three days after the battle for Jerusalem, the war was over. In just six days, Israel had won a stunning victory against three different enemies. And on the seventh day, a ceasefire was imposed. Now, we're not done yet. The prophecy isn't over. <laughs> Hope you're in a comfortable seat. So, it says that after two days, they will be revived. We see that happened in 1948, in the second millennium, or the second day after Jesus was crucified. But notice what else it says. On the third day, they will be raised to live in his presence. <laughs> you see, the dawn of the third day, or the third millennium since Jesus died on the cross, has not yet arrived. The third day since Jesus' death on the cross begins somewhere around the year 2030. And this third day will last for how long? Well, just like the other days, for a thousand years. A day is like a thousand years. Now, at the second coming of Jesus, when he returns, how long does he promise that he will rule on this earth? <laughs> That's right. For 1,000 years, the millennial reign. And when Jesus returns, what is the first thing that he does? He raises or resurrects those who are waiting for him, and they will then live in his presence. <laughs> well, notice that in Hosea, it says that on the third day, they will be raised to live in his presence. Wow. And what a time it will be when Jesus comes as the Messianic King to rule the nations from Jerusalem. Now, the scripture clearly says that no one knows the day or the hour of his return. So that's why I'm not quick to put it out there, you know, when Jesus is going to return or even to say what year it could possibly be. I'm very hesitant to do things like that. But I must say that the season, the season is near. First of all, no one knows the day and hour of Christ's return and when the world's going to end. The scriptures make that clear. That's what I thought. But the Bible says that we can know the times and seasons surrounding his coming. Bartell makes the point that the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, is full of foreshadowing. An event actually happens in history that also pictures something coming in the future. An example of this would be when Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac. That event actually happened, but it was also a picture of what God would do with his son Jesus on the cross as an offering for the sins of the world. 2 Peter 3.8, in the context is referring to the second coming of Christ, the Bible says that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. In Psalms 90, it says that a thousand years in God's sight are as but yesterday. You want passages? Okay, I'll give you a couple passages. The first one's in Hosea. 
Hosea is an Old Testament prophet. You remember him, don't you, Greg? In chapter 6, he's talking about Israel, God's chosen nation who was always rejecting God. The nation was going to be torn apart. But verse 2 says, after two days, he will revive us, and the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. What is this? You see, when Jesus came, Israel rejected him as their Messiah, and so God scattered the nation all over the world. For 1,900 years, there is no nation of Israel. But God says that after two days or 2,000 years, I will revive thee and you, Israel, will live in my sight. We can see this happening already. The scattered nation of Israel has been regathered right in front of our eyes. In 1948, Israel became a nation again. This is very important because God is reviving this nation of Israel and they are about to live in his sight because Jesus is coming back to set up his earthly kingdom. Have you ever met a Canaanite, Frank? Or how about an Amorite? No because these were Israel's enemies and they have not been preserved. But the Jews have been because they're God's chosen people and he must fulfill the kingdom promises he made to them. But the Jews are still rejecting Christ. For how long? After two days or 2,000 years, I will revive thee and the third day you shall live in my sight. The second coming events could be about to begin. Bartel sees the same foreshadowing in Exodus chapter 19 verse 11 when God told Israel to get clean and wait for two days because in the third day, I'm coming down in the sight of all the nation. Hosea prophecy of the end times. Are we at the end of time as we know it? The book of Hosea is a prophetic book from the Old Testament of the Bible. We're looking at the timeline here and we'll see that Hosea's prophetic ministry was during the time of the reign of King Jeroboam II of the northern tribe of Israel. His prophetic ministry started right around 740 BC and the fall of Jerusalem during this, his time of prophecy is around 722 B.C. To set the scene, the northern tribes of the kingdom of Israel had rebelled against God and had been worshiping idols. God had sent prophets urging them to repent and return to the Lord. God had, de God had declared his judgments that if they did not repent, he was going to send the kingdom of the Assyrians against them, and the outcome was going to be devastating. Hosea was to be the last of the prophets sent to Israel before the Assyrians came, conquered, and the northern kingdom ceased to exist. And we see here we have a map of Israel during the time and the Assyrian Empire during the time. And you'll notice the cutout part here is you have the northern tribe of Israel and you have the southern tribe which was Judah and Benjamin. And the Assyrian Empire occupied what today is Syria, uh, Iraq, Jordan, a little bit of Turkey area, and that area up there. In addition to proclaiming the judgment of God against Israel, Hosea foretold of a coming Savior, 
restoration of Israel, and the end times. So, signs of the times. God has specifically chosen Israel and throughout Scripture has let it be known they are His and they are also His timepiece. Jesus said we cannot know the day or the hour of His return, but we can know the signs of the times when His re return will happen. We're looking at Matthew 24, verse 36 for signs of the times. But of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, not but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, looking at the days of Noah, in Genesis 6, chapter 6, verse 11 and verse 13, this is what it says about the days of Noah, what God has to say about the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Chapter 6, verse 13, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So if you want to look and see what the signs of the times were that Jesus is referred to in the days of Noah, we're looking specifically at how the earth is filled with violence. Israel is the key to determining whether or not we are in that time, that final last day time. We see the signs of the times. If you do not think that violence through terrorism, evil despot governments, anarchists, and just plain evil people are no greater now than ever in history, I'm not going to try to convince you other than remind you that it was when violence filled the earth, Noah's flood happened. However, we have even a more prominent reason we can observe to know that we are in the last of the last days. Israel is the key to determine whether or not we are in that time. I put forth to you that on May 14, 1948, when Against Hope, Israel was restored as a nation, marked the beginning of the end of the last days that begun when Jesus came in the flesh to us. This article will explore prophecy in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 that looks out into the future. Israel, God's Timeline Looking at Hosea 6, verses 1 and 2. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn and he will heal us. Speaking specifically of Israel now. He has smitten and he will bind us up after two days. He will revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. In this part of the prophecy concerning Israel, Hosea foretells a few things. First, the judgment of God occurs. He has torn. He has smitten. Second, God will intervene again and heal them, so to speak. He will heal. He will bind us up. Third, it says, after two days he will revive us. And finally, the third day he will raise us up and we will live in his sight. This is what we know from history. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was overthrown by Titus' Roman army. From then until May 14, 1948, the Jewish people had no land they could call their own. The period of time between 70 AD and May 14, 1948, historians have given the name Diaspora which means the time the Jews were scattered from their homeland. 
the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, from whom the Jewish people are descended. A day is a thousand years. Let us take a closer look at the usage of the word day. Two days and third day. Most of the time the word day in the Bible means an ordinary 24-hour day. However, there are instances when the word day means a different period of time. God's time is different than our time. In the Bible, he sometimes describes a day when referring to his time. To figure out what is meant by the word day here in the passages, we need to look to the Bible for answers. The Bible does a great job of answering questions that arise. In the book of 2 Peter 3.8, a day with the Lord is described as 1,000 human years. That's what it says. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. In Peter's mind, it was so important that people got this concept of God's time, he prefaced it with, be not ignorant. Another place where we can see God's day is equal to 1,000 human years is in the book of Psalms, chapter 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are as but yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. These passages are defining a God day as being 1,000 human years. If we plug 1,000 or the word millennia into the passages above, we will see some interesting things. After two days or two millennia, will he revive us. In the third day, third millennia, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. So let's do it one more time. After two millennia, he will revive us. And in the third millennia, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Let's look at what happened in both history and Bible prophecy. I am of the conviction that when we see how exact the fulfilling of prophecy was in the past, the stronger our faith that God has granted us grows within us. So we're looking at a timeline here. It says the first millennia was from 30 A.D. to 1030 A.D. 30 A.D. was the crucifixion of Jesus. 70 A.D., Jerusalem was destroyed and Jews were scattered. The diaspora started. Then in the second millennium, or the second day, which was from 1030 A.D. to 2030 A.D., we had the diaspora continues, and the rebirth of Israel was in 1948. Israel retakes Jerusalem in 1967. So we're right at the edge, or at the very end of the second day. The third day starts in 2030 and goes through 3030. This is often referred to as the millennium period where Jesus will reign on earth, 1,000-year period. And this is where God says Israel is raised up to live in his presence. So we look at the first two days. Well, as was stated, Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. So taking a closer look at the events of history through the prophetic lens, we will see the foretelling of the destruction of the Jews and the scattering diaspora of the Jews. Not only did the prophets foretell these events, but Jesus himself foretold of laying down his life and raising it again, the destruction of Jerusalem and the scattering of the Jews and his return. Jesus in the Old Testament prophecy. Looking at the words of another prophet, Zechariah, in Zechariah 
it states, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, said the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand on the little ones. Jesus quoted this verse when explaining his death and the scattering of the nation of Israel in Matthew 26, 31, where he said, All you shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered abroad. While it is true, Jesus was telling Peter that he would deny Jesus three times, and his disciples would scatter during the trial of Jesus when he quoted that verse to make this point. We know that the scattering only lasted three days and nobody was scattered abroad. When Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples came back to him. However, when we take a closer look at the word sheep, we will see that Jesus was also referring to the nation of Israel. Sheep. I'm using the word sheeple. Sheep people. Not really sheep people, but using the word sheep to describe people. When looking at the Old Testament, we see that the people of Israel were oftentimes referred to as sheep in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 20, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 27, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 12. The New Testament also refers to people as sheep. If we look at Isaiah 53, 6, 6 all we like sheep have gone astray and compare it to 1 Peter, Chapter 2, verse 25. For you were as sheep going astray. We see that they closely resemble each other. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus was looking out over the crowd of the Jews that had come to hear him, he says this, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd of the sheep. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 14, and in Matthew chapter 25, verse 32. It is a note that the previous references showed Jesus as the shepherd of the Jews, but he did not leave the Gentiles out. In John chapter 10, verse 16, it says, And of other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So it's specifically talking about a different set of sheep other than the Jews, which we know through the Bible is the Gentiles. And if you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile. Now that we have identified who the sheep are and see most references to sheeple are Jews, we refer back to the statement. When the shepherd is struck, the sheep will be scattered. At the time of Jesus' crucifixion, the Jews lived in Israel and had Jerusalem as their city. Even though they lived under Roman rule, they were able to freely practice their religion, and even Herod the Great did a massive overhaul on the temple and made it magnificent. The Jews continued to perform sacrifices and other religious duties in the temple. They lived in comfort and safety. They were free to go about their lives as they saw fit. The last thing the Jews thought would ever happen would be the destruction of their city and temple. However, Jesus foretold the destruction of the temple when he stated in Matthew 24, verse 2, 
There shall not be left one stone on another that shall not be thrown down. When Titus conquered Jerusalem, the Romans destroyed the temple. They literally tore out every stone. All that is left today of the temple is the rubble. The destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus gave an outline of what the destruction of Jerusalem was going to look like in Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 24. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is near. And let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the middle of, of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereunto. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give, that give suck. For in those days there shall be a great distress in the land, and wrath on the people, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. During the diaspora, is Jerusalem, Israel has been under the control of one ruler after another from the Romans to the Muslims, to Britain. It's just literally trodden under the foot of Gentiles for this period of time. We are about to enter the third day. Remember we talked about the two days and then the third day? They would be raised up to live in His sight. We have the promise of God that in the third day, Jesus will return to the earth and gather up the saints, both Jew and Gentile, and execute judgment. The third day will have its kickoff with what the Bible describes as the great day of the Lord. I hope for the believer that your heart is encouraged and seeing how God has kept his word and his promise of return is at hand. For the unbeliever, after reading this, if something about this spark true in your heart, that would be God granting you faith to come to him by calling on his son Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and for the salvation of your soul. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's found in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. As the Bible says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. My prayer concerning every person reading this article or watching the video is this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that he would enlighten the eyes of your understanding so that you may know him that's in ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 18 and i paraphrased it put it in my own words may god bless you keep you make his light to shine upon you and till he comes have a good day